thank you for coming back to Diamonds for a Point, the podcast. And in this episode, I want to tell you a story um, about how not all men are monsters. I think by now we've heard enough about women's stories and, and, and if I wasn't being true to this story, I wouldn't be able to tell you everything. So I met a man, 2014. Um, he was funny, attractive, and we began a relationship together. He was a lot more broken than I was at that point, and I was not really using drugs very much. I was still working and I'd just say a weekend user. Slowly and slowly, we maintained our habits and, and mine grew and grew. And he would give me gentle persuasions. I definitely didn't do anything I didn't want to do. As our habits became stronger and stronger and my job became less and less a priority, we slipped into trafficking and and you're probably sitting out there thinking how do you slip into trafficking well <clears throat> it's it's pretty easy you're working you can't afford the drugs so you start working out ways to do it now I'm not a thief and I'm not a criminal so we would buy large amounts and then our friends would chuck in but eventually as our habits grew so did our friendship circle and next thing you know that's all we were focused on the jobs were out the window and we were full-time selling drugs. Now, in amongst that comes a lot of contact with different people and different types of drug users, and they're obviously funding their habits in their ways because there's only so long when you're using that you can maintain a nine-to-five job, a normal lifestyle, and eventually... If you keep using, your life becomes engulfed in the drugs. We watch a lot of people go under and a lot of people get clean and a lot of people die. And It was definitely a different lifestyle. But in 2015, my best friend went missing. And I can't go into too much of that just yet for a lot of reasons. But I guess the drugs clouded everything around at that time and I began to blame my partner that I was with a lot for it. Um, I even blamed him for my friend's disappearance. I was paranoid, suspicious. I was completely consumed by the drugs at this point. He tried to talk to me about things and my paranoia and, and my state of mind at that time just would not allow me to actually believe that he was genuine. He asked me to get clean and I honestly in my thoughts 
thought that he was saying that because he wanted to have more drugs in me. So what, I stop using so that there's more for you? No way. He would ask me who it is that could reach me to talk to me because obviously by this stage I was well and truly gone within my mind and and he'd had a long time of using drugs so he could see different issues arising and and he was more aware, I guess, of, of where we were plummeting to. I absolutely had no idea. I absolutely believed that he was turning on me, that he was um, setting me up, that he knew where my friend was that was missing, that he wouldn't tell me, that he was conspiring against me and he was cheating on me all the time. And I became the DV perp. You would never have met a more gentle man. He was a good man. He was broken. And he was a drug addict. I was full of anger and rage and consumed by the drugs. I have to tell you all out there that it's not just men who commit domestic violence. It's not just men who are the bad ones. Now, we were in a unit at one stage. We'd gone on a holiday and I was really aggressive. I was really angry. I was so mad at him. I mean, he was very unique of a person. He would love to do martial arts and dress up, okay, like a ninja. And it was embarrassing. Like, he embarrassed me. I don't even know why. So everyone loved him. Everybody loved him. And it used to drive me absolutely mental. Like, how can everyone love him? It's just not fair. And I got out of control this night and I abused him vocally and physically. And he said, I just need to leave. Like, you're really aggro tonight and I just need to get out of here. And I was like, no, you're not going anywhere, mate. You stay in this room freaking unit you will not be leaving and he's like look you need to calm down like you need to just settle down have a few days sleeping whatever whatever and I was like yeah I bet you'd like that eh? yeah you would I know what you're up to I actually had no idea what he was up to but eventually someone in the unit block called the police now in amongst us arguing and fighting and whatever else I had put laundry liquid in the laundry in these small units it was just like a little holiday unit and I had in my aggression slipped over um in the laundry area walking backwards and forwards and going off and being crazy and anyway the police come to the door like fuck police are here fuck hide the drugs hide the drugs hide the drugs so I've opened the door up and they could see that my head had a bump on it which it did because I'd fallen over and they're like what's going on here and I was like look we're just having an argument everything's okay don't worry well there was raised voices and there's been a report so we need to make sure that you're both okay so he's come out of the room and he's gone what's the bump on your head and I said look I, I tripped over detergent literally like being a bit of a nutcase and he's like yeah well we don't believe you and um we will we'll place him under arrest what the fuck what do you mean it's the truth 
He's like, you need to come with us. I was like, I'm not going anywhere with you, mate. And then my partner at the time said, I'm happy to leave. Just let me go. Just let, just get me out of here. I think the look on his face and, and the intensity that he wanted to get out of that unit made them realize, oh, maybe he isn't the, the perp here. So nevertheless, they, they left and they dropped him off down the road. They didn't even ask him what was going on. And I think that part of my life is so prevalent to me now, how unjust we are when we look at men and women and we see only the men that could be powerful and strong and, and the good men that are out there that don't actually perpetrate and get lost somewhere in that system. I mean, they were ready to put that DVO order on him. They were ready to arrest him. They were ready to make me a victim. And he had done nothing wrong. So nevertheless, he left and he got dropped off down the road. Now, if that had been a woman, <laughs> you can only imagine what would have actually happened. Being a man, he couldn't speak up. He couldn't. No one would believe him. No one even believed him there and then. Nevertheless, he stayed away for the night and he came back the next day and, and we talked and made it up and I said I would never do it again but I did it again and again and again and again and again. He was a unique person and he was a broken person. He had a lot of pain and a lot of suffering over his life. And he just wanted peace. He always talked about... He struggled to hug anybody because he'd lost his children to his addiction. And he felt that hugging was not fair because that was only deserved for his kids when he did get to see them. There were so many times when I was so embarrassed of him because he was so in touch with his actual emotions and I was definitely not. He looked to be a strong, aggressive man, but he wasn't. I mean, looks can be so deceiving. We look at these people and we think, yeah, that's who they are. And we paint this picture but I think it's important to remember a picture can tell a thousand stories, but it's our voice that keeps the truth. Nevertheless, I continued to blame him, continued to hate him for reasons I don't even realise now. I don't even know. I, I mean, when your mind clears of the drugs and when you're actually emotionally accepting of the truth... It's very hard to understand what your mind was going through at the time. We were arrested later in, in mid-2015 and the courts painted a, a terrible picture of him. We, we were co-accused so we were sentenced together. <coughs> His lawyer begged him to tell on me. Begged him. Offered him deal after deal after deal after deal after deal. 
because they knew that I was the main perpetrator of the drug dealing but didn't understand why a man like that would stick around with someone if they weren't 50-50 and everything and he definitely wasn't. I controlled everything. I controlled the money. I controlled the house. I controlled the drugs. He wasn't allowed to do anything without asking. And he never complained. People knew. People saw us all the time and they would say how funny it is that I'm so dominating. Yet let's think about that if that was a woman with a man. If the woman was being dominated, she would be the victim. Nevertheless, we were arrested and, like I said, co-charged. He spent three years, two months in jail. We both got the same head sentence at the end, but um, being a woman, I was actually not given a lighter sentence, but I did get less physical time in jail. And I remember the judge saying at sentencing, I have a problem with sending a woman and a baby back to jail because in amongst the bail, I'd I'd fallen pregnant and, and whatever else. And obviously, as you know, had my baby in jail. But as a man, he was sent back. We haven't seen each other or spoken in maybe three years and I opened up the paper app on my phone and there was a man 49 years old found with unsuspicious circumstances on the beach he'd had a heart attack and died last week and it made me think about how broken he was and it made me think about how bad I had been to him And it made me think about the men out there who can't voice things because it's not masculine to say that a woman's doing this to you. And it made me think that I need to tell the truth about those situations. I mean, it didn't matter at court. He was co-accused and unless he told on me, he was going to jail. And unless he told on me, no one was listening to him legally, but I'm talking about the, the world out there. The, the truth that I guess will haunt me for a long time. He brought out every insecurity I've ever had because the truth is I felt that he was better than me. The truth is that as much as he was a dork <laughs> and he was a nerd, not really a nerd, but he was just embarrassing. He embarrassed me. But he was just unique. He was who he was. And a stronger person who was comfortable with themselves would have seen how much he could bring to a relationship and maybe he would have had that chance to to get himself clean in a relationship. But for me, I was so worried about image and what people thought and what was going on that I didn't see what was in front of me. The most gentle, caring man I could have ever met. 
And although we fell out of love, I still had love for him. And it hurts me that he's not here today to listen to all these. So I guess when we're talking about all these DV stories and, and, and women and, and how it all works, I think men suffer as well in a different kind of silence than women do. When you reach out, you expect it to be a woman reaching out. None of his friends said, hey, this is not right. She shouldn't treat you this way. They laughed. They laughed along with me. None of his friends said this is not right. They all said, well, he's a bloke. He can work it out himself. He did three years and two months jail for trafficking drugs and he didn't really benefit at all other than a nasty habit and a horrible partner. He was a fantastic guitarist. He was a great person and he will be forever missed. So for anyone out there, even if you're male, no one deserves to be put down or treated wrong. And it was never about him that I did those things. It was all about me. It was my insecurities. It was my pain. It was my troubled thoughts. Benjamin Amos, this one is for you.